coming up on episode 112 of Appetite for Distortion. We'll be speaking with Brian Wheat of Tesla. He'll be talking about Tesla's new record, Shock, and reminisce about the days that him and Axl Rose used to be BFFs. Also after, Brian will be speaking with another one of you, another listener, Tom McLean, and he's going to tell us how he incorporates his wrestling life with Guns N' Roses. Welcome to the podcast. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? This is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 112. It is Brando coming up in just moments. Going to speak with Brian Wheat from Tesla. Actually recorded this interview a few weeks ago, uh, but I've had to hold on to it because I've just, just had too many guests. I mean, it's just been crazy. I try to, I don't want to overload you because I get so many messages that say I have to catch up. So I try to do once a week, but sometimes you got to take the guy when he's got a chance, uh, when he's doing a, a, a promo tour for a new album, just like Brian Weed is. Uh, Shock from Tesla, so I'll be playing that in just a couple moments. And also, after Brian, it's going to be another fan obsession. Fan. Yes, another conversation with you, uh, the listener, who's a Guns N' Roses fan, just like me. I just happened to work in radio Happened to make a podcast. Happened to get it on, on iHeartRadio. I don't know how this has all happened, but I'm just a regular person. Uh, I'm not, you know, the uh, the extraterrestrials that we we call Guns and Roses that, that that seem like they're just on another planet. Uh, I'm just here to talk about it with you. So uh, coming up after Brian Wheat, we're going to speak with Tom McLean, who is an amateur wrestler, and he's friends with Shooter Jennings. Uh, he's obviously a big Guns N' Roses fan, so we're going to talk about uh, what it's like to be a GNR fan and a wrestler, and he actually incorporates the two. That's going to be fun to talk about with him. But first, founding member of Tesla, Brian Wheat. Hey, Brian, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, but not as well as you, because your new album, as we speak, Shock, it's out, right? Yes, sir. Now, I have to imagine when you started Tesla way back... In, in the 80s, that there's no way you imagined you'd be here in 2019 with a new Tesla record. No, no. <laughs> That's pretty pretty unbelievable when you stop and you think about it, that, you know, I'd be doing interviews in 2019 for my 14th album or something. You sit there and you go, wow, it's pretty, pretty uh, impressive. When you were younger, did you have a goal? Did you set out to be in a rock band for for this long? Well, I wanted to be a musician, and then it was like, I want to make a record, and and I want to be a rock star, and, you know, and then it just, it always changes, you know, you just keep going, but, you know, when I made that first record in 86, to sit there and go, you know, in 2019, I'd be still doing it. I would never imagine that, to be quite honest with you. So how would you say the the Tesla sound has changed? I mean, you're, you're still you. You still have your, your core sound. But, I mean, you're older. Uh, influences change. Personalities uh, change. So what would you say is the biggest difference between the first Tesla record and the new one we get now? Uh, well... Gee, that's, you know, that's kind of a tough question. I've done about 15 interviews today, and that's probably the best question someone's asked me. So good for you. How has it changed? It It's changed in the sense that when we did the first album, our palette was a lot smaller, right? Because mm-hmm. we, haven't, we hadn't experienced you know, life on the road or just life in general. We're very young, you know, 21, 22 years old. And, you know, as we sit here in in 2019, you're listening to a record that's 
made through the eyes of guys in their 50s. And I think that's the change, you know. That's, you know, the subject matter, the playing. Uh, you know, obviously we're more accomplished as musicians and, you know, we've written hits and, you know, we've sold millions of records. And, and when you had that first album, none of that had been done. We were like virgins, so to speak, you know what I mean? So that's the change, you know, it's, it's just the evolution of, you know, the band over 35 years, but it's the same band, you know, it's the same core sound. I mean, you know, let's take the greatest band ever, the Beatles, and let's look at, you know, they started with Love Me Do, and they ended with why don't we do it in the road or come together, you know? And, you know, that was in seven years. So that was quite vast. But you, you, when you look at that band, you go, well, how did they change? It was always the Beatles. It still sounded like the Beatles, but it just, you know, they were trying new things and stuff. And, and with Tesla and this album, you know, we're always trying something, you know, a little bit different, but it's always stays true to the, the core sound at the at the core of the band. Sure. How did your relationship with Phil Collin from Def Leppard start? I'm assuming he goes back a while, but he he co-wrote and produced this record, right? Yeah. Well, you know, obviously our relationship goes back to Mechanical Resonance, and, you know, we did the Hysteria tour on that album, our first album. So we've known Phil our whole career. And... Uh, about 2015, 2016, we were on tour with uh, Def Leppard. And he, you know, said we should do some music together. And we said, okay, cool, let's, let's do it. So we did, a, we did one song called Save That Goodness that was on the uh, Mechanical Resonance 30-year anniversary live album. It was a studio track. And we, we had a great time doing that with Phil. And the next year when we went out on tour with Def Leppard again, he said, what do you think about doing a, a whole album, a full album? And we went, sure, we had a great time doing that. Let's let's give it a shot. And, and we did. And it just kind of evolved into that thing. And, you know, basically Phil joined the group. And, you know, he was he was playing guitar with Frank and Dave. And he, he was singing with, with Jeff and, and all of us. And he was writing with, with all of us. So... It was great. It was a, it was a really fun uh, time. The keep with the theme of the the core Tesla, perhaps now the uh, the origins of Tesla. Uh, you guys were label mates with Guns N' Roses on Geffen, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were label mates with Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith, White Snake. They were all on Geffen back then. That's when there was lots of fruit on the trees. Did you have any encounters with uh, with Guns N' Roses back then? Absolutely. Me, me, and me and Axel were. We're pretty friendly with one another at that time. Back then, I haven't spoken to him in, in quite some time. But, you know, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, you know, I would see him. We'd hang out. We'd talk. Every, you know, uh, I, I really like Axel. And I like Slash and Duff as well. And and Steven. Uh, I never really knew Izzy too much. Um but you know, I, I probably was was most friendly with with Axel, and uh, you know, I was a big fan. I still am a big fan. I'm glad they're back together, and really, really glad they're out there. You know, still doing it. You know, after having a break. You know, both their band breaking up and Tesla breaking up in '95. So I can relate to you know what they they went through and 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 them getting back together. And I'm really happy and pleased for them. As we're recording this episode, the dirt has not come out yet, uh, but we know that Tom Zutant is featured in the, in the film, and he signed you guys as well, right? Yes, he did. Is the the dirt something you are looking forward to watching? Uh, do you foresee more films of that nature being uh, produced and being put out there? Because that's just a a special age in rock and roll that may never happen again. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I quite enjoyed the the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. You know, I I even though you know it's probably not 
accurate in the timeline and stuff. But that's that doesn't really matter. You know, I'm a huge Queen fan, and and uh, I, I really enjoyed the the movie. And I'm friend friendly with Brian, the guitar player from Queen. Uh, I have you know as in regard to the Motley Crue movie, yeah, I'll I'll probably see it, but you know I kind of lived that time. You know what I mean? With the Queen thing, I I was I never got to see Queen as a kid. You know, I had their records, but, you know, they weren't my peers at the time. You know, by the time I put out my first album, they were on, you know, Innuendo or something. You know what I mean? So they were kind of at the tail of Freddie. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'll see the, the, the Motley Crue movie. I You know, I, I hope it's done well and I hope it does well for them. I. I wish him all the luck. Could you foresee a Tesla movie? No. No? No story you'd want to tell? I don't think it, you know, look, Motley Crue were very big. You know, Motley Crue were probably 10 times bigger than Tesla. I mean, I understand, but look at Anvil. Look at the documentary they put out. I mean, you you never know uh, what could be found nowadays if you have the right story told. Yeah, I I do, I don't know. You know, it's like that's a tough one. I, I you know, you know, no one's ever approached us about making a movie, and I wouldn't be as I I wouldn't think, oh, let me make a movie because you know what I mean. Uh, I I don't know how to really answer that, but you know, as I sit here today on on the phone with you, the answer would be, you know, no, I I don't I don't envision us making a movie, but you never know. I didn't envision us making a record in 2019 in 1986 either. So these things happen, you know, but I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we'd make a movie. <laughs> I, that that would be, uh, unless it was a comedy, you know, maybe it could be a comedy, <laughs> you know, when you take, you look at it from that point of view, uh, it, there's some funny shit that's happened. So that would be uh, maybe, maybe that, but no movie, touring and acting. I mean, touring and acting, touring and albums. Ah. <laughs> Fucking acting. Look at this Freudian slip here, all right? No, 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 no movie, no. All right, all right. Uh, so what could fans expect from the new Tesla album that we may not be prepared for? What's special about it? Well, I think, you know, there's a couple of things that are going to throw some people that, you know, when, you know, I've heard comments and feedback of not really the album just came out today so i haven't heard it on the whole album actually it's kind of reverted back to a bit more positive but when the first two or three teaser tracks came out there was a group of people that actually absolutely hated it they said it's too different you know it's not like tesla and and uh you know then there were people that loved it thought it was great so what i'm finding with this album is it's a bit more polarized than being kind of up the middle i'm seeing people say they absolutely love it or they absolutely hate it but saying that i haven't really seen what people are saying now that they're they can listen to the whole album i did look a little bit last night because the album dropped last night and there was a lot of positive uh feedback and not 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 so much negative because the first two tracks that we put out shock you know has an electronic drum sound similar to nine inch nails and and uh california summer song sounds like uh you know someone said it sounds like country but we weren't going for country at all we were just going for more of a a real pop commercial sound i wouldn't really say it was uh country um so those two, I think, threw people a little bit that are used to hearing Modern Day Cowboy, which was 37 years ago, uh, threw them for a loop a little bit. But, you know, when I think when they hear the whole album, they'll see that those bases are covered if you want, you know, that classic Tesla rock sound. It's covered, and then there's some things that are a little bit different that you maybe haven't heard from Tesla, you know, like, California Summer Song or We Can Rule the World, which has big, big background vocals like Queen or something, you know. So, uh, you know, but it's still Tesla, you know. 
to me, it sounds like Teflon when Jeff opens his mouth and sings. Uh, you know, it's it's like okay, that's Tesla. You know what I mean? It's still the same guitar player, still the same drummer, still the same bass player. Just you know, a little bit different, maybe arrangements and an approach that we've done. You know, but you know, then again, if you go back to 2004 when we did Into the Now, when we got back together, it was the first album after we broke up. That was a lot different than Mechanical Resonances as well. So. You know, it's funny with the internet, everyone's a critic, you know? Mm. So, and everyone has access to say whatever the fuck they want. Yes, they do, but you have the last laugh because you're still doing what you love and being successful at it. So just keep doing what you're doing. Not like you need me to tell you that. So, uh, Brian Wheat, just thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for, uh, you know, having me on, and, and, and thanks for some, you know, thought out intelligent questions and thank you for not asking me how we got our name <laughs> no that was not on my question list thanks so much brian yeah you take care man so that was uh that was interesting i i never thought i would speak to an original member of tesla who were label mates with gene har and you know it's interesting as i as i mentioned before the interview started that that was recorded just as the album, te- the new Tesla album dropped. But at that time, the when I asked him the question about there being a Tesla movie, just like The Dirt or Bohemian Rhapsody coming out, um, and he gave an honest answer. I mean, Tesla, I mean, we know Tesla, but they don't have that household name like Motley Crue does. But you just, you never know. You know, Anvil didn't have a household name. And they their documentary was very well received. So you just never know with all the outlets out there. And I think uh, today, as I'm recording this part of uh, of this episode, and this episode continues, uh, I've seen the dirt twice, uh, including this morning as I'm recording this. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't wait for it to come out. Uh, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, which I I often do. Uh, but the dirt. I read the the, the book The Dirt on the the train and the subway to my first radio job uh so when my my first my my, my professional career started i remember being on the LIRR reading the dirt coming home from an overnight and getting to the Vince Neil portion about his his daughter Skylar t- uh dying of cancer just 4 years old and and tears coming down my face on the, on the train you know and uh my third interview ever in, uh, career wise was uh, with Nikki Six. I remember this was right before six a.m. dropped. I remember talking to him about the dirt and about a dirt movie. Uh, I gotta find some audio of that because I suggested to him uh, that I was like, "Will you guys be in the movie?" And he laughed at that. I'm like, "Well, couldn't it be cool if you played a drug dealer giving the younger version of yourself drugs?" And he's like, "Hmm, not a bad idea." I gotta find that audio. So I've been waiting for so long, and it didn't come out at exactly midnight. Um, the other day, but uh, as soon as it was available, uh, I, I watched it. I, I loved it right away. Like it just that that first scene. If you haven't seen it, I don't want to. I mean, whether you read the book or not, I mean, it's not like it's a you know a murder mystery where I don't want to spoil anything for you. But it's you're either you either like it or you don't. And a, a couple things with the uh, the Dirt movie because I think it's going to open up a lot of doors for bands to do this because I think they they did a really really good job. Um, you know, I've been, if you've been following on social media, uh, well, I should say this podcast on social media, uh, I've been asking you, how would you cast a Guns N' Roses movie? And I've been putting some some questions out there, some uh, some choices. Uh, what's his face who plays the Joker on Gotham? I think he would be a good Axel. Uh, I, 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 the names escape me, but the, the dude who plays Thor, I th- or his younger brother, um, Chris Helmsworth, or Liam, even his younger brother Liam could play Duff, things like that. So just, because I think this could happen. There was a slight Duff, excuse me, excuse me, uh, a slight Steven and Slash cameo in the dirt. This was the scene where uh, Nikki uh, overdoses and, and dies the first time. Uh, you see like a Slash-looking character on the couch and a Steven Adler-looking char- character against the wall. So it's just like, you want to know more about that story. It's great. So with all that, what makes these stories great, what makes the autobiographies great, you know, Slash's autobiography, these movies great, uh, it's it's more than just the drug, sex, and rock and roll, at least for me. I think it's 
learning about how you get there, all the hard work it, it takes to, to put in. And sometimes you learn about some great people who don't make it. Um, it's all about the process. So that's why I wanted to continue this episode with a, another listener uh, of mine. So uh, we have a soundbite for this one. So instead of shotgun news, we'll do another fan session. Phantom session. And I'm sorry to those of you who've commented who can't listen to shotgun news or shotgun blues without hearing news. <laughs> I don't know about you, Tom, if you're sick of uh, my sound bites, but uh, this is going to be another fan obsession, fan spotlight. Uh, Tom McLean, I got to say it like uh, Hans. What idiot? What are you in charge? It's a direct ripoff of Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> actually, that's my nickname, Die Hard Tom McLean, but I feel like. I feel like you left me hung out to dry here. If you would have given me like a day's heads up, I would have watched the dirt and I could have commented on it. Uh, I actually was involved in a bit of a conversation about it the other day. And I don't know if you're like me, but um, I was such a huge Guns N' Roses fan that when all the stuff went down at the, uh, you know, between Axel and Vince Mill, um, I had an irrational hatred for the longest time. Uh, of, of Motley Crue, even when they were putting out songs that I kind of liked, like I, I, I kind of wouldn't admit it to myself that I liked it, and I was just like, I hate them. Uh, <laughs> well, that's how I felt. Uh, I don't know if you listened to the last episode I did with uh, Bob Guchon Jr. Um, oh, absolutely. When I first became a Guns N' Roses fan and listening to Get in the Ring, I had a, an irrational hatred for Bob. I'm like, who the f- yeah, Bob I, I, suck my I dick. Do. I don't know him. He's a great guy, yeah. yeah. Bob Guccione Jr., it's been what you pissed off because your dad gets more pussy than you. Fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fuck you, man. And I didn't know him. From- it turns out poor Jr. was probably a little upset that his dad was doing better. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. He seemed like fine with it in the in the interview. I mean, of course, he could be putting on a brave face. Yeah. But uh, he, yeah, he, he seemed cool with it. And I'm hearing that. Again, you're always going to hear so many sides. I mean, I like people telling their story. Uh, but, like, if you—and forgive me if I—because I only thought about it this morning, uh, having this dirt segue into talking about you. So uh, you, you'll, you'll, you'll represent those who haven't seen it yet and force me not to spoil it. So uh, go watch it. All right. Well, I haven't seen it. I haven't read the book. But I, I have to admit that um, uh, Nikki Six's uh, 6 a.m., that his first album that he did, The Heroin Diaries, I loved it from start to finish. It was such, Agreed. I thought it was great. Agreed. Yeah. No, uh, I remember when I did that interview, it was, I, it was just reports of uh, 6 a.m., like a new band coming out. And this was the time where MySpace was still a thing. And I don't, I think maybe yeah. they had one, like you could have a profile song on, on MySpace. And I think that's when Life uh, is Beautiful was, was there. But I remember talking to uh, about the dark, the dirt uh so you can't fault me for that because the dirt has been out for quite some time the book uh mm-hmm. not the movie uh but it's it just got me thinking to you know again just the, the behind the scenes when you're growing up and that style movie and it reminded me a little bit of the movie the wrestler and i've enjoyed talking with you um because not just because i am i i make wrestling uh, references i've I really would love to interview uh, Charlotte Flair, who has uh, Patience tattooed on her. I know Kevin Owens is a big uh, Guns N' Roses fan. Um, uh, what, what was oh, what's his uh, fucking protect team partner's name? Who was in uh, NXT with him? The Canadian. Uh, I don't know why I'm forgetting. Uh, Sami Zayn. Yeah, Sami Zayn. Thank you. So I know there are like Gene R fans. Uh, Dolph Ziggler. I know he's friends with uh, our friends Paradise Kitty. Uh, I, there are a lot of wrestlers I want to interview uh, to come on here, including you, Tom. So don't, <laughs> but I, I just I just love the behind the scenes of how these. That's why I love uh, like the WWE Network when you see some of the old stuff, or when you watch uh, the, the oh, the old Bret Hart documentary, or did you see Beyond the yeah. Mat with uh, Mick Foley? Yeah, that, that Beyond the Mat really opened the door for all the documentaries to follow. Like it was the first real like inside look at stuff in depth and i mean that was that was a game changer there right and i'm looking at the dirt and you know you can after the uh the interview comes out you can talk with the listeners about your episode about whether you agree with me or not but i think this is just the set bohemian rhapsody set one bar the dirt set another 
I think there there could be. I will say this. I think the dirt could have been like a, a mini series, like a four part series or a ten part series, because there's a lot to cram into just a movie, which is short of which was yeah. short, uh, short of uh, I don't know two hours, but it's I it really I, I almost thought that it was going to be, especially since it was going to be on Netflix. Like they have the platform and they have the time. Uh, I thought it was going to be a couple part series. We'll see. But, uh, but but you go back and that's where it started for you because you're a little bit older than me because I I grew up you know past I'm like all right the 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 feud with Vince and and Axel uh, already happened that was not mentioned in the uh, in the in the movie by the way the only GNR references again were that slight you know cameo of of what we perceive what we think as Slash and Stephen there was nothing official I don't think it was in the credits and then they had uh, uh, what's the uh, can't uh, Oh, the memory song. Why am I? I I'm today I'm like having senior moments from uh, the spaghetti incident. Can't put your arms around a memory. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. they they had the original version, or not the Gene okay. version of that. So, uh, but it, it's you're somebody who I've wanted to talk to for a while, and you can say you could tell me what I can and can't say on the podcast because you've. It's cool when I meet people like you who are friends with some people in the industry. And give me information, which I don't tell anybody, which I just appreciate you sharing. So somebody like you who grew up, you know, in the heart of of Motley and GNR, you go on to be friends with somebody. Now the GNR community is going to get to know real well, and that's Shooter uh, Shooter Jennings. Yeah, and I mean, so I want to I want to know your path of like how you became an amateur wrestler to becoming friends with Shooter Jennings. That's basically the uh, the launching pad I want to give well, you. Well. Um... It's actually, there's a lot of Guns N' Roses involved in this. Great. And uh, I was going to break the ice in bringing up Shooter because you mentioned the movie The Wrestler. And uh, in uh, Shooter's uh, wife's phone, Misty, uh, my phone number or my contact information is uh, saved as Randy the Ram. Okay. uh, (laughs) And she always calls me The Wrestler. Oh, okay. Yeah, who um and Mickey Rourke, of course, uh, is Axel's friend. So see, it's all six degrees yeah. of Kevin G and R. Bacon. It all fits in. Yeah, it, it it all comes together. And like, so essentially, I mean, I've loved wrestling forever. I I mean, I was born in 1980. Wrestling was huge, you know, growing up, and uh, and I love Guns N' Roses, you know, because. Well, Appetite for Destruction came out in 87, right? Mm-hmm. And so it came out when I was six or seven, and uh, that was the first real music I got into. Uh, in fact, the first, like, cassette that I bought, because uh, um, when the Lies came out late November, I believe, um, like 88, I believe. And uh, so I got some birthday money, and I went to the local cassette store in the at the mall and I was like I want the latest Guns N' Roses cassette the newest one that has Paradise City on it and the person at the counter was like you know no this is uh this is their newest one it's GNR lives but it doesn't have Paradise City on it and I didn't I, I I couldn't comprehend it I was like no I want the newest one with the newest songs that are on the radio so my first cassette that I bought was uh uh GNR lives Okay. And I listened to it, and I listened to it, and I listened to it, and I was like, where's Paradise City? I I don't understand. Uh, of course, you know, I was listening to Al to get me, and my mom's like, what What are you, what is this? <laughs> like, don't worry, Mom, it, it's cool. Uh, so, you know, like, Guns N' Roses was, you know, absolutely huge uh, when I was a kid, and wrestling was absolutely huge. When I was a kid, and uh, who was your first? I, I remember the first time I put on for me. I was a WWF kid, and I remember the yeah. first thing I, I turned on the TV was uh, Rick the Model Martel, and he is recovering. Uh, no, excuse me, it was Jake the Snake Roberts recovering from an attack from Rick the Model Martel when he sprayed that cologne or whatever his arrogance, arrogance, in his, yeah, in his eyes. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so I remember that's the first yeah, time I, I ever put it on. So yeah, I was into wrestling way before I was into into rock or anything like that. But that's great that you combined it. See, from you know, and I've talked about we don't need to go down the path of like, yeah, I've mentioned that I have a, a disability, but I was I wanted to be a wrestler. I had the wrestling buddies. I still had the wrestling buddies. I'm okay. My girlfriend didn't yeah, leave great. me after like you know because sometimes I keep Ted DiBiase in the bed. 
you know, which is a little weird, but mm-hmm. she has a cat, so it's okay. I, I had that one with the green suit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had them all. So, but I there's a I feel like there's a there's a nice uh, comparison between wrestling and rock and roll with the lifestyle. So it's oh, it's it's, it's, it's so uncannily the same, right? On the road. Uh, so yeah. So how did you? Yeah. When did you? Like, is it your full time? Because obviously you do it in a way full time. But was it always your source of income? Were you a professional wrestler who did other odd jobs to support yourself, or you always had you were a stockbroker who would wrestle on the weekends? Like, when did that kind of? Uh, well, I definitely wasn't a stockbroker. No, the sad thing about like wrestling is, um, I I'm doing it much less these days. I mean, I'm 38 years old now. Like, and I I just like a couple weeks ago uh, got diagnosed with uh, osteoarthritis and. Sorry. At best, with the knees that I currently have, I got ten years on them before they both need replaced. Uh, so I'm slowing. I'm slowing down on many fronts. But uh, no, I was never able to uh, support myself, and I never really wanted to. Because um, I mean, I live in Southern Ohio, and there there's a lot of wrestling around here. And when I first started, for the first like six or seven years that I wrestled, I would wrestle at least three times a week, uh, sometimes more. Um, and then do some training and all that. So, I, I mean, I've always had, and this is this is true with any any independent wrestler. This is true with any any independent entertainer of any sort. The, the truth behind the fact is, they probably got a really shitty job that uh, is really flexible to work around their schedule. And unless they're in a good relationship, which thank God I am. Uh, they're barely getting by. Um, uh, most of you know, mo- most wrestlers I know, most struggling young musicians I know, um, you know, they're living in, in a one bedroom apartment with six different people living there, type, you know, just struggling to get by, chasing the dream. Sure. I like I, you, you're talking about your disability. Um, when I was young, I had severe asthma, like, like, I would, you know, back before they had medicine to really like keep it under control. I was in the like ER like a couple of times a month. It was that bad. So like, I'm literally the kid that had a note that couldn't go to uh, go to gym class. Like I, I when I came home from school, I wasn't allowed to go outside and play. So a lot of times I just sit in my bedroom with my wrestling figures. And either listen to some Guns N' Roses or watch some wrestling or some, some cartoons or, you know, like the the TV and the radio were like my only friends. Yeah, you sound just like me and a lot of other folk. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I honestly, like, never wanted to be a wrestler because okay. if you watched wrestling in the 80s, uh, I'm about six foot. I'm about 210 pounds right now. Like. I'm not big enough to be a wrestler in the eighties. And that's what I grew up on. True. Um, there was, I, I don't know if you ever heard of the, uh, HWA, the Heartland wrestling association okay. for a brief time. They were the WCW, um, developmental territory. Okay. And they were actually featured on like a 2020 segment. Uh, where like, and some MTV, say you want to be a pro wrestler thing. Like they were filmed some of that, and that was based in Cincinnati. And then they became a WWF developmental thing. And um, they, you know, in Cincinnati, I live I live in Dayton, Ohio, and Cincinnati is an hour or so um, away. And they did a Brian Pillman Memorial Show. Okay. And I I went to one, and it had. Um, WWE guys, I had ECW guys, and I had WCW guys, and it was the coolest thing I'd ever been to. But before that show, like they had like a pre-show with all the HWA students, and I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And eventually, I started going down and watching all the HWA guys uh, wrestle, and they would wrestle every Tuesday in Cincinnati. And so I just go down and watch that, and I I just absolutely fell in lo- fell in love with that. Like, it's a small little warehouse. At best, it can fit a hundred people, but like something about the room, the atmosphere, the fans, you know, like it was just so cool. 
So I think it was October of 2003, they, they had a uh, three-day training seminar set up where it was um, a guy by the name of Les Thatcher, who real wrestling geeks will know, uh, Leilani Kai, who a lot of people should know, Harley Race, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat were leading a three-day training seminar. And I was like, well, Harley Race and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat are the absolute best ever. I have to do this. It was open to anybody. I think it was 100 bucks. They they were no longer a HWA. HWA was no longer a WWE developmental thing. And Les Thatcher was running that, and he was selling the HWA and going to start going around with uh, Ricky Steamboat and Harley Race and training different places. So I signed up for it and I went to it and there was probably a hundred people that showed up from all over, like any connecting state to Ohio, there was everybody there and they had two rings in there. They had an actual WWF ring and an actual WCW ring because they had gotten those rings from their, their developmental deals. And uh, the first thing, you know, Les was leading and he's like, is anybody in this room never taken a bump before? And I raised my hand, and I was literally the only person of 100-some-odd people there that hadn't either been training for several months or been working for a long time. <laughs> and uh, so, like, I'm getting advice from, like, Harley Race. I'm Ricky Steamboat actually would get in the ring, and, like, he chose me a lot to do, like, a lot of stuff with. And, like, it's the coolest thing in the world. And... um uh, Leilani Kai, who was one of the uh, Glamour Girls, one of the first uh, WWF Women's Tag Team Champions, and was in a couple of WrestleManias. She was there, and she took a liking to me, and she really like worked with me and taught me a bunch of stuff. And uh, like those three days, like I was just happy to be there. I didn't know how I do, but I was like, I I did okay, and I was just kind of addicted from that point on, and. Uh, I never wanted to go anywhere outside of wrestling in Cincinnati on a Tuesday. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. I can't even imagine. That's so why I, I always feel like at the lowest level when anyone, which I think in, in 2019, the word, you know, calling uh, wrestling fake needs to just be outlawed. Because you just, like you're yeah. just explaining just the simplest moves, the simplest movements around the ring, you can get injured. Now I'm curious about how you came up with your finisher, your finishing move. Because everybody dreams of a finisher, you know? Everyone dreams of the tombstone, the stunner, rock bottom, the leg drop. So how did uh, you incorporate Guns N' Roses in that? Because that's great that you got to incorporate two loves into something. So I started training in, you know, I tra- I, I had a job at work, so I wasn't able to train the five days a week, like the rest of the guys. And so I would come in a couple of times a week and then, you know, life kind of got away and I took some time off and, uh, went, went to a trade school, got married. Uh, my wife got pregnant and I was like, well, this is do or die because if I don't get in before she has the kid, I'm not sure that life will allow me to wrestle. And like, I, I didn't know how long I'd wrestle. So that's why at first I was like, I'm going to get as many shows in. That's why I did, you know, three shows a week. And, you know, sometimes I do three shows on a Saturday, um, which, which was crazy. And um, I got really good training. I, I made sure that the trainer that I went to was a good trainer. I got sure. I made sure that anything that I did, I was confident in doing. And I, so I started wrestling a lot of guys and I would have such good matches with other well-trained wrestlers. And so I didn't just wrestle on a Tuesday night in my hometown with okay. people I knew. I, I bounced around all of Ohio, okay. sometimes Indiana, West Virginia. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I've made a small circle. Like, I joke about being small town famous because if there's a small town that you don't have a cell phone signal in, I've probably wrestled there. <laughs> and, uh, right on. As, as I branched out um, to other people who didn't go the same path of wanting to make sure that they were good before they got in the ring and just wanted to be a wrestler and call themselves a wrestler and didn't care about the training, I realized that I had 
to work around other people that weren't as good as me. And I don't want you, like, I don't want that to sound like I think I'm good because I don't like at all. I think I'm competent. I think if you have a wrestling match with me, you won't get hurt and the crowd will like it. That's about it. But uh, I'm not going to say that I'm great or anything or like, I'm not, I understand. there are people out there that have, have zero business. Right. You're a professional. You know what you're doing, and you want to be. You want to work with somebody who's not going to break your neck. So coming up with a finisher, I quickly realized I, you know, I'm not that big of a guy. And like I said, I had, you know, growing up, I had asthma. Um, never was an athlete. Never played a sport. Uh, in my early 20s, the asthma came back. To this day, um, I take three different medicines just to breathe like a normal Oof, human being. Geez. Like. Like, so, so I got really bad allergies and really bad asthma. And if I, you know, I take Advair, Flonase and Zyrtec. And if I skip one of those, like I know it. So like, I know how, like I can have a good match. I can have a hard match. I can have a long match, but I know how to breathe. I know how to work. Some people don't, and I can't compensate for their lack of ability physically. So I chose early on. I was like, I'm not going to do moves that, requires help from the other person. I was like, I, I don't know. I, I got to do something. I've tried a bunch of different things and it, it, they all were based on the other person being able to take it right, help me right and do all that. And then I was like, you know what? Forget about it. I'll just do a running knee. I'll pull my knee pad down. I'll run. I'll hit them in the face and knock them out. Sure. And, um, uh, I started calling it the Shananana me. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I'd pull, yeah! <laughs> I'd pull my knee pad down, I'd yell that twice and run and, you know, hit him. Do you say yeah. when you're running across, like, like how uh, yeah. sometimes Roman Reigns goes, ooh, before the, the spear, the yeah, spear yeah. going, uh, you uh, go, yeah. and you just run towards the guy and hit him with a knee? Yeah, and I, I tried to time it where I hit him with, as I'm saying, me. <laughs> do you really? That's all. I was kidding. That's great. I love it. Oh no, I really do. Oh, it's beautiful. And, and see, like in a in a small room, the person in the last row hears it and gets it. They laugh. Oh, beautiful. No, I absolutely. Used, I, I used to try to do like a uh, snake dance into an elbow drop, <laughs> but um, I, I don't. I I don't have that like coordination. Well, like the uh, so it, it, like, it, it looked bad. Like the people's elbow, but so instead of going like rope the rope, you would do the snake dance and then drop down on them. Yeah, it, it looked bad. So I ended up. Uh, I do <laughs> a um, I I do an I have the power um he man elbow drop. Nice, nice, nice. Where right. I pretend that I have a sword, I raise it up, and then I go into the. Uh, <laughs> into that <laughs> beautiful i love it theme songs like what's the entrance like for a while i used um whenever i'm a good guy i use paradise city and i'm not a good guy very often okay but um or a face I, as they say in the biz right yeah uh, yeah i i hate using wrestling terms oh i'm sorry well well I, no, a, no, true, like, no, it, a heel would say that yeah, <laughs> but like I went, I went to um, what? It, essentially, like there, there's a local place down here, and um, I, I wrestled there every Wednesday, and that was like kind of my home base. The first Friday of every month was the big show. We'd wrestle every Wednesday, then Saturdays and other days I would find other shows to do. But I kind of had a home base where I was doing it, and. Um, I was, you know, I was the hill, I was the bad guy, but I was kind of a, I'm kind of goofy and kind of whatever. And so people didn't really hate me ever. Uh, and on social media, I started, um, started doing douchey gym check-ins and started doing douchey selfies. And it was a way, if you knew me, you knew that I was just being sarcastic and making fun of what the other people were doing to try to make themselves look cool. Sure. And if you didn't know me and you were just a fan, you'd be like, that guy's a douche. Right. And so I like, I'd use a bunch of hashtags and all this. And then one day, like uh, somebody called me like hashtag douchebag. And I was like, well, oh, that's funny. I'm, I'm going to run with that. And uh, I went to sometime in 2013, some, I forget when I went to San Antonio to visit a friend 
uh, that I hadn't seen since junior high. And I actually went down there specifically to go to a Guns N' Roses concert with them. It's the only time I've been on a plane uh, to this day. It's the only plane trip I've ever taken. And uh, it was like some sort of festival. Like, I forget what it's called. But um, by the time Guns N' Roses came on, I was really, really close. Paradise City comes on. He's doing his thing, whatever. And uh, He blows the whistle and he throws the whistle out to the crowd. And I'm I'm the only sober person there at a sea of just, you know, people that have been drinking since noon at this festival and the heat. And, like, it comes directly to me, and I just grab it, and I palm it in my hand, and I stick it in my pocket, and I act like absolutely nothing happened. And all these drunk people around me are, are like, you know, fighting and figuring out and seeing where it went. And I'm uh, like, nice. I don't know. Nice. You know, so I got I got, got the, uh, the Paradise City whistle. And uh, I, I I incorporated that into my wrestling. I was going to ask that. Um, okay, so like, what did you what you do? You blow it in someone's ear uh, to, you know, play dirty. Um, well, kind of. I so like I was saying, I I had that where you know my home base where I wrestle every Wednesday. They uh, they knew me. It was you know it was a small local crowd, same people. So you know, everybody knew me and knew my story and followed along. So I pull up. To, to the arena and I get out and there's a you know already a line of people waiting to get in and they start chanting whistle 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 I was like oh okay well I got to use this and so I I come out and I blow on it and all this and all that and uh, I kind of gotten too popular with it and so that's when I became a, a face and I, I don't know that this has ever happened in the history of wrestling but my line of becoming a, a face, at least in front of that crowd. None of the other crowds really like me that much because, you know, they were the old school wrestling fans, and I am a dick. <laughs> uh, so um, my line was, you know, I was, was some dude was coming out doing whatever, and I came out and like we were having a promo back and forth, and I said I might be a douchebag, but I'm their douchebag, <laughs> and the crowd just went crazy. <laughs> like, that, was, that was a cool moment. That you know, I'll never forget. And they started chanting, "He's our douchebag." Nice. Uh, sure. And, and that, from there, like that's gonna make it all worth it to to have these moments yeah. to, you know, because not everybody. And I've asked other musicians who've come on before. I mean, uh, the ones who aren't uh, in Guns N' Roses who were never a part of, but to learn their history. And it doesn't mean, you know, everyone is gonna be, uh, you know, has the same aspirations to be something. But it's it's cool to know the the path and you still have successes to make it all worthwhile, not just the, you know, the act that you actually, the act of wrestling that you enjoy, but to have these moments of them cheering you and uh, incorporating different things in your act. I mean, this is just a, a wonderful thing you've been doing in your, in your life. And when, and not many people get to do it. Man, paying your bills based off of independent wrestling sounds like the absolute most nightmarish situation. And, the demands of of travel and being away that the WWE has, like I I'm not built for that. Sure, and it, uh, just like with being in a but, band. Yeah, and, let, let me get sure, let me get back real quick. Sure. Right at that time when I did that, um, when I became face and did all that, was right when Daniel Bryan was becoming real big and doing the yes thing. So the crowd started chanting douche 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 and we called it the douche movement and uh mm. I, I don't know anywhere else and then for the longest time it's still like i i haven't i i've kind of done other stuff since then but still to this day like i'll i'll see somebody and I'm like douche and i'm like oh, great <laughs> in the ring but at walmart <laughs> like that. Uh, i've taken a really long way around getting because I think the question started out, how did I get to know Shooter? And well, you're filling you know, in all the blanks to get there because you're, you're letting us know oh, the, the the path, and, and that's the again the whole point of of the dirt and and learning uh, about the early days of of Guns N' Roses as well. You know that let's just say that they never became Motley Crue if they never became Guns N' Roses. There are still a lot of great stories and a lot of great people that you meet that aren't. The, the 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 quote household name, but you are meeting yeah. uh, some household people due to you know to due to wrestling. Yeah, I, I mean my 
I look like a much bigger deal than I actually am. I mean, in real life, I'm, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm pretty boring. The occasional Saturday. Oh, same night, here. Tuesday, Everyone I'm thinks like, I'm, I'm some cool radio guy. No, I'm a complete loser. Yeah. <laughs> I really yeah. So, so, I mean, so Guns N' Roses was the biggest thing in the world until rap music came out. You know, like whatever, like Dr. Dre's The Chronic came out. Like, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Because it was like The Chronic and Nirvana kind of came out at the same time. Sure. And I definitely went the rap route. Okay. And I still love I still love Guns N' Roses, but um, I kind of just you know went into the rap route and didn't really listen to them until like, uh, uh, the Oh My God came out. Okay. And uh, when did that come out? That came out ninety nine ish. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think it came out in November of ninety nine. My birthday is in November, by the way. Uh, November twenty third, which is the day the spaghetti incident came out. Live Era came out. And Chinese Democracy came out. I fell in love with Oh My God. Like, oh, I, I thought that was the greatest thing ever. I couldn't wait to hear more about Oh My God. I, like, I don't know what your initial response was. I, I enjoyed it. On the forums, it, it, it's hit or miss on people who like it. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Me too. I when um, we, I spoke to Gary Sunshine, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't just blowing smoke. It was. I I enjoyed it. I wanted to hear more. That's what made me so eager for Chinese democracy to see where yeah. what else he was going to do. You know. So no, I'm with you. I think. I think, the biggest travesty of Guns N' Roses, is we never got that album with that band with that sound. You yeah. know, because by the time that they rolled around to Chinese democracy, they were different songs. They were different sound uh, and different musicians. You know, like. I I wanted that new metal or whatever type. Oh my god! Like that is what I say is the biggest missing link of the Guns N' Roses puzzle. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't think you're wrong in saying that, and I feel like a lot of fans uh, have the same sentiment. Right. You know, even myself. Um, you know, I, I I introduced me to Buckethead, seeing what else bringing, what other crazy shit he can bring to the table you know if you listen to the last interview him talking about all these ben-hur sound clips and seeing what else can come out and, and yeah it's different i mean i'm very happy to see and you know i'm again i'm only a few years younger than you but i never thought i would see axel and slash on stage together again of course i duff, know man duff included so i'm not complaining but yeah along the way i think that would have been a cool thing to happen but so that's why we're always yeah, after all these uh tidbits and, and details having to do with anything with Guns N' Roses. And it was earlier, uh, I think this year, Duff hinted at something new. We're all wondering what it was. And, you know, I'm, I'm friendly with uh, with Squires, who, of course, does our theme song, uh, the guitarist from Loaded, and, and asking, you know, asking is, you know, he said it wasn't a Loaded thing. And I think even Jeff, uh, Jeff Rouse, when I had him on, uh, wasn't going to be a Loaded thing. Uh, Squires did tell me he is going to be, he's on the new record. I don't know, you know, how much he contributes, but he's going to be a part of it. But you had reached out to me and, you know, obviously I know Shooter's dad, the famous Waylon Jennings, and, you know, he's a big deal in Sirius XM and, but it's just, I'm not a country guy. You know, the only country I really listen to is Johnny Cash and Hank Williams III. Uh, it's just not my, my cup of tea. So he was never really on my my radar, but when you reached out to me and, you know, I think maybe I had mentioned once I wanted to interview wrestlers and that was why you, you initially reached out because you had some cool ideas and, you know, wanted also to come on the show as well. But you mentioned that you were friends with Shooter and, you know, your stuff that you share privately with Shooter, I'm not going to say that um, you, you kept that private, but you're like, watch this, see see what may happen. So you kind of always kind yeah. of gave me a, a teaser, teaser trailer uh, right before Duff announced it. So, like, those first couple dates, I'm like, oh, no, no New York date. You're like, just maybe hold your breath. Just wait. And uh, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. now a New York date. So it's great. So it's cool that your your career has been cool. You know, even at the beginning with working yeah. with, uh, you know, the Steamboat, uh, the Dragon, and that, and then, you know, becoming friends with, with Shooter. So could you just, because uh, I know we don't have too much time left in the uh in the episode, but yeah, let me let, let me put a bow on it because I know I, I kind of rambled. Hey. Essentially, I got back into Guns N' Roses, and at a certain point, once uh, the illegal downloading was a thing of music, uh, and high speed internet was coming in, I, I didn't have high speed internet, 
But I had a friend that would make me CDs. I'd give him a list of what I wanted, and you know, she'd download them and bring them to work and give them to me. And I discovered a site called mygnr.com. It wasn't, I, I don't even know if they had a forum yet, but it was just that. And it had a song listing. And it basically had a listing of every song that Guns N' Roses had ever done in concert, like every cover that they'd ever done. So I wrote down this list, gave the lady the list. She went home. She downloaded them off of LimeWire or whatever, uh, brought me the CD back. And uh, so I got all these live bootlegs. That was my first, like, taste of the bootlegs. And then the forum came around, and uh, that's where all the leaks started happening. So I was on the forum every day because that was such an exciting time. I'm with you. Yeah, I was the same way. And at a certain point, somebody posted this video of uh, Shooter Jennings singing with uh, Slash and Duff and Matt Sorum and uh, uh, Dave... Oh, you had him on the show. The, the guitar Dave, player. Yeah, Dave Kushner. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he was playing with them. And I was like, who is this guy? And I was like, oh, that's Waylon Son. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then I saw, you know, I kind of started following him, saw that he was a star gun and had like a rock and roll band. And so I, I found out who Shooter was through my, my GNR forum. And, um, I started following him because of that, you know, and I, I forget when he first came out with his first country song. It was shortly after Hank Williams III started doing his stuff. And so when Shooter came out, I kind of expected the same thing, but like, it, it was nothing like, it was nothing like the Hank III. It was nothing like any other the country that's on the radio. It was much more of a Leonard Skinner type vibe. Like it was more of a Southern rock type vibe. And, uh, you could hear Guns N' Roses influence in it, and it was great. And so, like, I just became a super obsessed Shooter Jennings fan. And um, so, like, my basic one and two, and it depends on the day, is Guns N' Roses and Shooter. Hmm. Uh, Shooter had, like, three records that were, like, commercially released and had a record label and got CMT and radio play and all that stuff. And uh, then he kind of disappeared uh, and was doing, like, underground stuff and – I'd look it up occasionally, find it and get it and listen to it. And, you know, I always loved it. It was always great. And then, um, I don't know why, like, I just started following him. Uh, I think I followed him on Twitter. So I, I've done this with other celebrities in the past where I'm just like, Hey, I'm best friends with, uh, I'm Victor Newman's favorite wrestler and Eric Graydon on Twitter from the young and the restless to this day, absolutely loves me. And I was just joking around. Like there's a 72 year old soap soap star that loves me. Uh, which is great. And so I did the same thing with Twitter or with Shooter because, like, he's my favorite. Like, you know, he's, hey, you like He-Man. I like He-Man. He's like, yeah. And then he's, like, posting something about Guns N' Roses. I'm like, wait, I love Guns N' Roses. You like Guns N' Roses. He's like, yeah. And, like, we instantly, like, you know, we're both just absolute 80s babies. And, like, we just kind of, like, geeked out and nerded out over that stuff. And, uh with my wrestling schedule at the time, it was, I never went to any shows and never did anything. And then, um, uh, you know, he had invited me to, to come see him and hang out, but I, I just couldn't. And then I kind of just, you know, anytime you do something you love, eventually you hate it. Uh, and wrestling is the definite, like, I could tell you for hours how much I love it, and then I could spend an equal amount of time telling you how much I hate it. Same. I, I was with really radio, at, sure. I was really, I was really at the hate it part of it. So um, there was a couple people uh, dicking me around on the booking, and I'm like, screw it, I'm not going. And uh, me and my friends went to see Shooter, and uh, I was like, wow, we had a good time, we had a fun time. Uh, I didn't have to get hurt, and that's kind of that's really was like. Uh, what slowed me down wrestling anyway. I was like, uh, this is a better use of my time. This is more fun. I'm getting too old to wrestle all the time. Uh, and then Shooter was like, you know, I was like, anytime that you're anywhere near Ohio, I'm going to be there. We, we'd hang out about once a month forever. And like, I mean, to this day, we talk. And, you know, like he he let me in. Like, so that's great. This, like, it was really, it was really cool because, you know, Shooter Jennings, he's been in a movie he's 
you know, a lot of people like think that he's like this huge superstar. He's like a real like just he's my buddy shooter. Like I'm still a fanboy when I hear his music, but like you know, he's just a dude I make fun of and we joke with and we talk toys with, and like he he got this the Duff thing and like he was telling me about it and like it was just it was so cool because like you could hear the fanboy in him and then you could also hear like the like he's a fanboy he's but he's also like proud of what he did sure and uh, yeah so when we were talking I'm like I can't wait till like this becomes public so right. I can say because mm-hmm. anybody that knows me I am almost overbearing with what I'm into. Like, if I'm into, you know, Shooter's latest album and you're near me, you're going to hear about Shooter's latest album. Like, so anybody that knows me knows, like, Masters of the Universe, He-Man, Wrestling, uh, Shooter, Guns N' Roses. Uh, like, I'm even that way with, like, cell phone service. If I'm happy about a plan I got, I'm telling everybody. Like, so, like, it's not me, like, being a gossipy guy. It's just, like, I'm... You're excited. When I'm excited about something, I want to tell everybody. Oh, and, yeah, like a little kid. You know, shooters, so I get it. I'm like, you know, I'm shooters, the same way. Yeah, Shooter's a good friend. Like, he's a pretty good friend at this point. And I, when I met him, he was not at a high point in his career. And this was only three years ago. Um, he he was kind of struggling. Uh, not struggling, but he was uh, he was touring with his dad's band, uh which was a cool package, but it was also like, kind of like, you know, and he's told the story. I've heard him tell it on any interview he's ever done. Like after his record deals, he, he moved to New York and it kind of is kind of fallen on hard times. Not like, not like any, any bad way, but like it was a financial like plus to be touring with a different band that he wasn't responsible for. So now that, you know, in, in three years, he's won Grammys. He's producing, he, he produced, uh, you know, the Brandy Carlisle album, which is huge. He's got, uh, you know, a bunch of things lined up that hasn't been announced yet. Um, they just announced um, Marilyn Manson, Let the Cat Out of the Bag, that they're working on Marilyn's next album together. Uh, he, you know, he's got his band on the road with him full time. He, he's got a, you know, he's doing a lot. I mean, it's, it's know, fantastic. The Sirius XM show. I mean, he has so much going on and it's uh it's exciting. It's, uh, you know, in general, of course, for Guns N' Roses fans to hear uh, new Duff material, you know, and if it's someone like you who became a, a fan and then a friend and, and just to, to kind of enjoy the success with him is not just a, a yeah. not, not just a fan. That's why you just got to stay true to, you know, what you do and what you love, which is why it's great despite all the uh the injuries uh that you're you're still wrestling. Uh you you have your you're you're meeting people, you're uh I don't know, I think you're you're living the dream. Uh but it goes to show you yeah. that someone like Shooter who comes from a a known family and uh he had a lot of, you know, uh, stuff around him to, to to be successful that if he's becoming if he's getting all these great opportunities now, you never know. So, Tom, maybe one day you will be entrant, uh, entrant uh, number 30 in the Royal Rumble. You never know. I, I might be. Let me just say one more thing. So the thing about Duff, the thing about Flash, the thing about even uh, even Shooter, and throwing all the other members of Guns N' Roses right now, they are out. they aren't out just making music, being celebrities, living a life. Uh, you know, the Guns N' Roses guys just got off the biggest tour in the world, and the first thing that they want to do is make a record and go play clubs because it's what they love, it's in their passion. Shooter is touring, making his own music, producing, and I know what his schedule is right now, and it's not because he has to, it's because he loves what he's doing. You know, Guns N' Roses aren't doing this, you know, the members, Slash and Duff and, and Richard and Frank are out playing clubs, because they have to, they're doing it because they love it. And me, I'm not wrestling uh, on a Tuesday night in front of 20 people because I have to, I do it because I love it. And I have a, an immense amount of respect for anybody that puts that much heart, dedication uh, and time and effort into anything that they love or any art form. So like, if you're on the, if you don't, if you don't like Slash and Blue Album, that's cool. You don't have to, but at least respect that. Sure. He's doing it. It's, a, it's you know, a driving passion behind, uh, behind them. 
Right. And I, I, I get that too. And, and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't love it. You know, I already, I have a radio job. Uh, this is just extra because I, I enjoy it and I want to see where uh, it, it does go because it gives me a chance to, to talk to Brian Weed from Tesla. It gives me a chance to talk to Tom McLean. Uh, you know, locally famous uh, amateur wrestler. <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, and, and it's cool, you know, because, um, you know, as we've spoken over the the time period of doing the podcast, yeah, obviously being, aside from being into Guns N' Roses, just like when I talk to other listeners, oh, you like, you know, you like uh, also this band, you like, the, you know, like cartoons, you like toys, you like other things. So it's, that's why I, I make this podcast that we can all meet here because we may like a lot of other things, but we like Guns N' Roses, and and that's the point of this uh, this podcast. So I mean, I really appreciate you you coming on. Uh, if you ever want to incorporate this into a theme song, you're officially a bad <laughs> apple, Tom. But as, is there? All right. So if you're so since you're you're local, um, I know Jeff from my uh, GNR Central uh, lives in Cincinnati. I, uh, Freak Base, who's in uh, with Richard Fortas and that. Uh, Freetronics, uh, new bands, or is it just people that are local that can perhaps see you do what you do best, and and you can and, and see the shanananani in person? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's also you know there's YouTube, there's there's Facebook Live and all that, but if you want to see me live, you got to be pretty close to Dayton, Ohio to to do so. All right, so how can people though in the meantime just uh you know, reach out, and maybe just you know talk wrestling and GNR with you. Uh, any any form of social media, it's uh, Tom McLean eighty, and that's uh, T O M M C C L A N E eight zero, just like Die Hard, John McLean. Nice. Well, uh, I, I appreciate your your time, Tom, uh, so much. You know, and so I hope we cross paths, and and I hope because I know we, I've mentioned it on the show, and I've spoke to uh, shooters people, not you. Uh, that shooter wants to do the podcast, and I, obviously he's extremely busy. I think we were talking since late last year, and they wanted to put it off until the uh, the record was finished. So I'm hoping uh, soon. You know, I think we we exchanged emails a few weeks ago, and uh, you're since you know uh, Shooter, and I know you've mentioned the podcast to him. You know, if and when the Shooter in, uh, episode happens, um, you know, as I said to you off the air, the co-hosting uh, chair is yours. So hopefully, we'll be talking again uh, soon. Sounds good. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Thanks for hanging out. And whether you heard it on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, uh, or found us on AlternativeNation.net, I want to give more of you a chance to tell your stories on future episodes, more fan obsessions. So uh, reach out. Let me know what your story is, and you can perhaps be on a future episode of the AFD show if you follow us. Uh, you send me a message on Twitter at the AFD Show or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the AFD Show. So when will you see the next podcast, next episode, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy? You'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. No! Fuck it! No! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.